Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. We've been talking about the breaking the grip of fear. This is our fifth session in this series. We've talked about what fear is in general. Fear is an internal, that is on the inside of you, forecast of something you don't want to happen. It is, synonym of that would be dread, anxiety. Um, Fear is a projection of something you don't want to happen. You can go to the doctor and get a diagnosis and a prognosis and in your mind's eye there is an image on the inside of you of a result you don't want. Somebody can give you certain news that uh, leads you down a path and, and you know what it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. You can have yourself living under a bridge in 30 seconds. Hey you 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 can go there really, really fast. It is a projection of a result that you don't want. We went uh, in four hours of teaching on this. Go to the website if you care to. We will go back and retrace everything. Last week, we began to talk about specific fears. And we began to talk about the fear of inadequacy. Um, and we went to the passage in Exodus about Moses' experience. Um, Moses, as you remember, had all, grew up in all the privileges of Egypt. Didn't start out that way. There was an edict um, uttered by Pharaoh of Egypt that all the newborn males were to be cast into the river. So they couldn't propagate the Hebrew people because the first chapter of, Ephesians, uh, of Exodus tells us that Pharaoh became very concerned because the Hebrews were beginning to multiply faster than the Egyptians. In fact, there came a time where there were more Hebrews in slavery than there were Egyptians. And the thought was, well, especially if they were to join partnership with other tribes or other nations, we would be toast. So they began Uh, to intensify the labor of that slavery, making mud bricks to build the Egyptian empire. There uh, was this little infant Moses who was protected from destruction, and I won't go into all the details we went into last time, but by God's providence, he grew up with an Egyptian mother. In fact, the daughter of Pharaoh herself had rescued him from the river. Even allowed his own birth mother to nurse him until he was weaned. Acts chapter 7 says something amazing. It says that Moses grew up in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. The Egyptian wisdom, as we said last time, was that the world got here through a cosmic egg. But Moses, the author of the first five books of your Old Testament, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, didn't buy it. He said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Remember what I told you last time. The most important influence. Parents, are you listening to me? The most important. Don't lay awake every night worrying about what your children are going to hear in this world. It's going to happen. The greatest, the greatest thing you can do is not to isolate your children, but to insulate them. Did you hear what I just said? Not to isolate, but to insulate. And you do that by teaching them the Word of God, by allowing them to process life under the direction of you being filled with and walking by the Holy Spirit and you investing in them the truth. The power of God's truth is greater than the power of the lies and the darkness of this world. Well, we found out last time that this Moses, <coughs> when he had reached 40 years old, living in all the privilege of Egypt, one day he saw a Hebrew and an Egyptian fighting, and he went to the rescue of his Hebrew brother because that was what he was by physical birth, and uh, he killed him, buried him in the sand. The next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting, and he went to break it up, and one of them said to him, okay, so now are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Uh-oh, busted. And Moses fled from Egypt and went into the land of Midian. And you know what? Listen to this now. Listen to this. Acts chapter 7 in Stephen's sermon says that he was 40 when he killed the Egyptian. But when he was about to receive that burning bush moment, 40 more years had passed. David, Mary, Tommy, he was 80 when he accepted this new assignment. Hallelujah. Remember what I said last time? I know that in my knower that God is doing some new things. And don't automatically think that it's too late for you. You're not going to happen. God is doing some new things. God is calling out people into some new assignments. And it may be familiar to you. You may take new ground in something that is somewhat familiar, or it may be something that you have never seen before. Moses was tending his sheep. You know what that was? His work. That's what he did. That was his job. And remember what we read last time? We found out as we studied through these passages of, of Exodus <clears throat> that there came a time when God spoke to him through a bush that burned and burned and burned and burned and burned and burned and burned, Joe, and didn't burn out. And remember, it would be easy to say, well, that was just God showed him a miracle, and he did. I believe with all my heart that the answer to why he turned aside to see, Joe, are you looking at it there in chapter 3? Verse 4, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, can I tell you something? You can see a miracle or hear a word of prophecy that you like from afar, but until you turn aside and look, 
until you start walking, until you gravitate into the presence of God. You can go to all the meetings you want to. Listen to all the TV stuff you want to. And there's some good in that. But until you turn aside and give your heart's attention to the God who loves you, you're not going to get anywhere. All you'll be is frustrated. Moses turned aside to see how can you burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and never burn out. I wonder today if somebody in the sound of my voice Pastor Wayne tracks those who are listening. Did you know that at least one time last year, people in 50 countries are listening to these messages? At least one download of these messages in 50 countries. So anybody in the sound of my voice, does this sound familiar to you? Don't you yearn to know how you can burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and never burn out? We're not talking about physical energy. We're talking about that inner atmosphere of your inner man where there is a never-ending source of energy that is not of the flesh but is of the Spirit. Moses turned aside to see. And when God saw that he turned aside to see, God called him. In fact, he called him by name. Moses, Moses. You know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, boy, wouldn't it be sweet if the Lord would call me by my name? I thought that, and here's what the Holy Spirit told me. I already am. You're not listening intently enough. I said, now wait a minute. You're calling me by my name? I know you live in me. I know the Holy Spirit is mine. I know you know all things. But you are calling me by my name. And here's what the Lord told me. It's written in the book. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I call my sheep by their name. Are you one of his sheep? Do you ever hear him call you by name? Well, I'll bet it's not because he's not speaking to you. You may have my problem. You just hadn't listened intently enough. Oh, wow. Think about it. Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. The place on which you stand is holy ground. Ho, ho, wait a minute now. I'm out here in the middle of the Middle Eastern desert. There's a fire burning right there. I've been out here for 40 years. I've just gone to work one day. I've done this for 40 years. This is holy ground. Do you know any place you meet with God's holy ground? It may be in your classroom. It may be in your car. It may be in your home. It may be wherever, where you meet with God's holy ground. The point is this. In today's message, I, I went through the story last week. Today's message is how do we overcome? What are the keys to overcoming this fear of inadequacy? The first thing you got to do is turn aside to look. Go before the Lord. Seek Him with all your heart. You know, James chapter 4 tells it like this, verse 8, Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. If you're waiting on God to interrupt your day and do something that is miraculous, can I tell you something? You might be waiting a long time. Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. 
So the Word would tell us that we shouldn't wait on something like that that's interventional, but that we should go before God and seek that which we know belongs to Him. But I want you to know that you got to stay and listen, as I said before. Don't run off when you get a miracle or two. God doesn't want you to just have relief. He wants you to have resolution. He had something to say to Moses, and he had some life-changing information. Not just facts. He wanted to enter into a relationship that would change everything. We saw this last week when Moses was given his assignment, I'm going to send you to Egypt and deliver my people. Moses said, I, well, when I go and meet with the people, what should I tell them? He said, tell them I am sent you. You do know that, don't you? Do you know, do you ever talk to I am like he is instead of was? Do you ever talk to him like you wish he would be instead of he is? I am. I am all you need. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your security. I am your provider. I am all that you could ever need at any time for anything. Do you know that? I am. So the Lord gave Moses revelation of I am. And he said, you go tell the people that I am sent you. Notice what he said there in chapter 3, verse 16. Go gather the elders of Israel together and tell them the God of Abraham. Oh, now you're on familiar ground. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me. And I am going, I, I know what's going on with you. I know what's going on with you. And I'm going to bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of Canaan. To the land where the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites are dwelling. To a land that flows with milk and honey. And notice verse 18. Then they will listen to you. Let's back up for just a minute. Did you know that whatever this new assignment is that God has for you, you're not going to succeed by yourself. You know, when you isolate from others, you get very attractive to the enemy. He's very attracted to somebody who's isolated. How many countless times have you said, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to beat this by myself? Not going to happen. You've got to humble yourself and seek the resources God will partner with you to get it done. But can I tell you something? If God is leading you to do something, He has already called out and assigned people who will believe you. People who will walk with you. If this is a God-given assignment, He has, some of you who've got business assignments, can I tell you something? God has already decided who your customers are going to be. God has already decided who some of those clients are going to be. God has already decided who some of those ministry partners are going to be. God has already decided who He's going to use to partner with you when He gives you that assignment. But you've got to believe Him. 
Those partners didn't just magically drop out of the sky. Moses had to go and get in front of them. What I'm trying to tell you is God has already arranged for all the help you need. We saw last time that Moses was still not convinced and he asked, he, he, he still wondered how in the world are they going to believe me. You remember last week somebody said, I knew even though you're going to be 70 this month, I knew you still had it in you because I saw you run from a snake last Sunday. If you were here, you'll understand that. <laughs> I can run from one this Sunday too, I can tell you that. God said to Moses, you want an answer to how I'm going to do it? What's that in your hand? Remember what Moses said? Stick, rod, duh, throw it down. God is speaking to some of you and he's telling you, you've got to throw down the familiar sources of your own security. If you're going to obey what I am telling you to do, this new season I'm going to bring you in, you have got to throw down all those. You know what? If you're like me, I didn't even realize the false senses of security I had until I really began to ask God, show me where there's a snake in the stick. Show me what I've been. For Moses, it was a tool he used every day. It was his work. He was a shepherd. For 40 years, he just got up and reached for a stick. That was a tool. What is so familiar to you, you don't even realize there's a snake in it? What is it that you really believe is the source of your security? Is it your bank account? Is it your customers? Is it your family? Is it a father or a mother or a child or a physician? Or what is it? that you really think you can't do without. I've gone before God and I've thrown this church down. Yeah. I, I, I've thrown everything familiar to me, all my assignments, that which I've done for so long, just thrown it down. Here's what I can tell you about that. If you will go before God and ask Him, oh Lord, show me. What do I need to throw down? When you pick it back up, it'll really be yours because it'll really be God's. It was that same stick that Moses reached out and spoke the word of God and the Red Sea parted. It wasn't a common ordinary stick anymore. It was the rod of God according to the Bible. So whatever... Here's the thing. You want to have victory over the fear of inadequacy. Look, go to the bush. Go to the bush. Go to the presence of God and seek how it is, Lord, that I can burn and burn and burn and burn. When I was in my late 20s, I was burned out. I had been called since I was 14. I'd already served three churches in my mid-twenties in a Christian school. But I was burned out, and the Lord called me. 
to that burning bush. He gave me a holy curiosity to find out how can anybody burn and burn and burn and burn and never burn out. And I stayed in my house for days and wept and cried out and sought, broken. My own efforts at ministry was a disaster. Disaster. You know how you're going to come to that burning bush, don't you? One of two ways, either by need. You have a crushing need and you can't go any further. Or by desire. Oh, Lord, I have a hunger that is not quenched. I want to know you in your fullness. I want to seek you to you to speak to me, oh God. I want to grow more and more passionate in my love for you. Hunger or need is going to drive you to the burning bush, to that place where you come into a relationship with God, where you just, by the Spirit of God, you burn and burn and burn and burn, and you don't ever burn out. Or you get physically weary, but there's an internal energy in you that will fulfill the assignment God has given you, and you won't quit, you will finish. You know there's a difference, don't you, in quitting and finishing. Come to one of my funerals one day and you'll, you'll figure that one out. Oh, a big difference. Throw down every rod of self-sufficiency. Lord, reveal to me what I'm holding on to. Is it anger? Is it shame? Is it money? Is it family? What am I holding on to that has a snake in it? Do you understand that that which we fight to hold on to, if we will throw it down, will eventually become one of the greatest tools that God will use in His arsenal in your life? What well, we're fighting to hold on to. Can't let go of this. Got to have it. Throw it down. Admit it. Offer it to the Lord. He'll take the snake out of it, and if he gives it back to you, then it'll really be his, and it'll become one of the greatest tools that you've ever known. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that if you will partner with God, he will bring up those who will. Be. This still astonishes me when Moses and Aaron First of all, God had to establish Aaron as a mouthpiece for Moses because Moses refused to believe that he could speak in front of people. God patiently gave Aaron as Moses' mouthpiece, quite a partner. But when they went before the children of Israel, here's a guy who hadn't been around them in 40 years, and he comes on the scene, and he says, God has told me, <laughs> you hear that a lot, God told me, this really happened. This wasn't in the realm of his mind. God had really spoken to him. God has told me 
that he is about to deliver us from the hand of Pharaoh and deliver us out of the land of Egypt. Not only that, they're going to turn around and they're going to bless us with silver and gold and all kind of clothing and everything else when we leave. We're going to be blessed as we leave. And guess what? The elders of Israel believed him. What are the chances? Can I tell you something? God got an assignment for you, and there's going to be such an anointing on it that he is going to tell the right partners for you, believe him, believe her, and they're going to join you. God can do that. God can do that. Moses thought he was done. He thought his days were over as far as being anything in a big wig for God. And for 40 years he just went to work every day and had it made. He was content, the Bible says. But when God gave him that assignment, he dealt with his own false sense of security. He raised up partners for him. And I want to remind you of something that God reminded Moses and the children of Israel for. Are you back there in chapter 3? <clears throat> he tells them, look, I'm gonna, I, I, I am going, the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know that your spiritual father is Abraham. You do know that in Christ Jesus. Do you know that every blessing of Abraham belongs to you in Christ Jesus? But I want you to understand that this word had to come back to them. And he said, I'm going to bring you out of this affliction, and I'm going to bring you into that land. I promised Abraham that, and that is a forever promise. That is a forever promise. Can I ask you something? Do you really believe, based on your life circumstances, do you really believe that every intention that God has for you is good? If you're not careful, you'll start looking at what's happened to you in your life. You will start looking at the circumstances of your life, either in the past or right now. You will start defining what God's intentions towards you are based on your circumstances rather than on the Word of God. Your circumstances are subject to change. Some of you have been through divorce. Some of you have been through all kinds of financial brokenness. Some of you have been through sickness and disease. Some of you have been through the death of loved ones. Some of you have been through unspeakable pain. Can I tell you something? If you define what the Father's intentions towards you are through your circumstances instead of through the truth of the Word of God, you're going to have a wreck. God is telling a story through you, and you're somewhere in the middle of the book. God is telling you, a, he is telling a story through you. And there is no powerful story that doesn't have some kind of opportunities for God's grace to minister to. I mean, otherwise, why would you need God's grace? Remember God's intentions for you. I, I got a text from Stephen Rogers, one of our deacons the other day. And Stephen remembered, he was listening one Sunday. <laughs> he listens every Sunday. It just always delights me when somebody says, I was listening. Buzzville told me not long ago, Pastor, 
I am thankful for a pastor who teaches me the Word. He don't have any idea what that meant to me. Because can I tell you something? I can do the light show. I can do picking you up in the golf cart. I can do the coffee bar. I can do the fog machine. I can do all that. Do you hear what I'm saying? But it's not going to last. The only thing that lasts is the Word of God. The Word of God. Stephen told me, you know, you said Sunday accurately that a lot of us have the tendency to say, and I hear it all the time from Christians, well, if anything bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. I hear this all the time. If anything could go wrong, it's going to go wrong with me. So Stephen said, in light of believing God's intentions toward me, that he does really love me the way the Word says he does, I decided to change my confession this morning. And he said, I just decided to try it. So I decided that I would get up tomorrow morning and I would say, if anything good is going to happen, it's going to happen to me today. And then he proceeded to tell me in the course of the first day he did that, all the little bitty things that he saw that God was doing that he'd never even seen before and that didn't seem to even be happening. And then Stephen shared the scripture with me. He shared with me. He had good scriptural evidence. See, that's what I want to say. Is it the word or is it happy talk? Right? And he quoted the eighth chapter of Romans to me where the word says, He who did not spare his own son, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Why would God withhold anything good for those who love him when he wouldn't even withhold his own son? So I, I think what we need to do is start a movement. What would be wrong with that? What would be wrong with saying if anything good is going to happen, it's going to happen to me today? What would be wrong with that if he who did not spare his own son but freely gave him up for us all, how shall he not freely give us all? Why would you not say that? How would you like it if your grown children or your children right now come to you, mom, dad, and were to say to you, I know one thing, I'll put my life in your hands, but if anything bad happens, it's going to happen to me. What are you saying to your father or mother? You don't really care that much about me. What an insult for us to believe and speak that way toward he who did not spare his own son. Change the words of your mouth. It's in the power of the tongue. Life and death. God's intention. Father, give me greater revelation of your intentions toward me. And last, 
you got to face your fears. There came a time for a showdown when God said to Moses, you got to go face Pharaoh. I mean, I've shown you the burning bush. I've shown you the snake in your rod. And when you picked it up, it <laughs> turned back into a rod. And as you know, as Moses and Aaron obeyed, even the demonic magicians of Egypt would somehow produce the manifestation of little snakes and the rod of God would be thrown down, swallow them up. You got to face your fears. There comes a time when it's not enough to gather the information. You've got to take the information that is in your inner man and put it in your outer man and take steps toward your fear. Take the next right step. If you cower, It's only going to get worse. But I want, to, I want to tell you something here. If you are making the decision rightfully under the authority of God and the love of God that casts out all fear, 1 John 4, 16 and 18, the love of God casts out all fear. If you're making the step, you're going to face your fear. And if you don't take the step of facing your fear, it will put its foot on your neck the rest of your days. Bad results. If you don't make this, the, the decision to face and walk towards your fears, you'll always be running from your fears. But remember this. Are you listening? Sometimes when you begin to believe God and face your fears, your immediate circumstances will initially get worse. What kind of bad preaching is that? I'm just telling you the truth. Sometimes, sometimes when you decide to face your fears and you start walking towards them in faith, sometimes when you've heard from God and you're deciding I'm going to believe you and go in that direction, sometimes your external circumstances are going to look and feel worse. There is no real faith without testing. If your faith is not tested, it is not real. How do you even know it would stand if it's not tested? It will be tested. You know what testing is? It's an opportunity to do two things. When you go through periods of testing, and sometimes they seem like they're never going to end. In that season of testing, you will find out a little bit more information about yourself and some corrections that need to be made that you didn't see until that time of testing came. Why you take a test in school? It'll not only tell you what you do know, but it'll tell you what you don't know, right? So that time of testing will tell you some things about yourself that need to be corrected. But that time of testing will also do something eternal. God is working in you an eternal weight of glory. God is trying to develop you into that place where you can experience and embrace and reflect more in the glory of God. That time of testing will build and strengthen you. That time of testing 
when you apply the grace of God will give you a life story that will bless and encourage others and help fulfill the reason you're here. That time of testing will reveal what you look like and corrections that need to be made, but it'll also give you an opportunity to humble yourself and to be promoted for the Father to trust you with more and more of His resources. But it's not going to happen without a test. So don't become discouraged. Don't become isolated. And don't become frustrated when you're going through a season of testing. Rise up and say, Lord, thank you that you have entrusted me for whatever reason, the God of the universe, thank you that you believe that I will receive your grace sufficient to get through this and give you glory for it. What a testimony. Face your fears. Tests are inevitable. Yes, it may get worse before it gets better. But the glory of God will be greater than the assignment of the enemy. The glory of God will be greater than the assignment of the enemy every time. Every time. And that grace will prevail. Oh, I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I want to give you praise and thanks. I just want to take a little time right now. Join me right now. I just want to take a little time right now and thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. I want to thank you, Father, that is your grace that has sustained me through what I've had to walk through so far and that it is your grace that will lead me into that victory. You know those times, don't you? You didn't think you were going to make it through the day? You thought your life was over? Somebody offended you. Somebody betrayed you. Somebody divorced you. Somebody sued you. Somebody said all manner of evil against you falsely. Somebody deserted you. You went through brokenness that you never expected. Had to say goodbye temporarily to a child, a husband, a wife, a friend, a loved one. And somehow with the dawning of the next day, there was more than just the tangible manifestation of a sunlight Oh, there was on the inside of you the grace to go through it. Sometimes the only definition of success is that you get up the next day. All that pain that's in your plate right now, all that situation that looks impossible to you, all of that that you have been crying out to God for for so long and it just seems to get worse, all of that right now that is just so frustrating and 
You just don't know. I mean, it's got you by the neck, bigger than you. The word says, count it all joy when you encounter various tests, trials, and temptations. If your faith is going through a real severe test and trial, why don't you just give the Lord thanks right now, give Him praise. You know, the Word says that the, the praise and thanksgiving of the Lord catches His attention. He's divinely attracted to our praise. Did you sleep in a good bed? Did you have a roof over your head last night? Did you have to walk five or six miles just to get water for the day? Do you have somebody in your life who really cares? Who knows and cares about you? Do you have enough food to get you through this day? Are you having to depend on the mission to sustain you? Oh, so many things we can be thankful for. Don't focus on your pain. Focus on that blessing. Your Father has good intentions for you. And can I tell you something? What the devil and evil people have done and meant for evil, the grace of God is greater. How we praise you, O oh God. We give you thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're a good God with good intentions. I want you to know how much Dean and I love you. We pray for you every day. Every day. We thank God that you're a part of this faith family. Father, thank you for the joy and the honor of being your assistant just serving these people. Give us greater revelation of your love, greater revelation of your presence, greater revelation of your wisdom and grace. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, amen. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com. Dot com.